So we kind of had an idea of what Stephen King was kind of capable of, and then we saw this movie. <laughs> Good Welcome to two maddening hours of horror and fright. Candy the Final Girl? Has anyone ever buried a person up there? Christ on his throne, no. And whoever would. <laughs> and I'm Shaun of the Dead. I'm gonna sit over yonder and have a smoke. I'd help you, but you gotta do it yourself. Each buries his own. And this is the house that screams. Tonight we are covering the 1989 film Pet Cemetery. We have Nico Nice. Man's heart Estonia. That's good. I tried. That's good. I tried. It's like I have balls in my mouth. It sounded like balls. It sounded like balls. You stuck stuck the landing. Kittens. Um, We have Crystal. Fair. No fair. (laughs) We have Dave Gurman. Today is Thanksgiving Day for cats, but only if they came back from the dead. Why do I see you as a Lewis kind the of? The cats are staring at me. As I say that. <laughs> no, he's such a he's such a better person than Lewis, and we'll get into that we'll momentarily. Get, yeah, we will. Oh yeah. Um, and we have Erica Wright. Fuck off, hairball. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So um, tonight, uh, I volunteered as tribute, which meant I was like really bossy and said, "Please let me go first because I'm going to go first. Um, I'm not working with notes, so this is going to be more rambling than usual. But um, Pet Cemetery, I have to talk about the book. I have to. It's, it's, I can't not. It's, it's just ingrained. But the, it was the very first Stephen King book I ever read. I was about, I, don't know, I think, maybe eight or nine. I, if I was nine, I, I, it was barely nine. I remember reading it, and it was the first book. And it just scared the living shit out of me. I remember laying on the floor reading at my bedroom by like the moonlight because I wasn't allowed to read after you know bedtime and I was just reading this fucking book because I ran out of books to read and so I read my mom's books and I I have had nightmares my entire life about this fucking book so I saw the movie um when it came out I was 10 and um you know speaking of sticking the landing like is there I mean I I could put the argument out there that there is rarely as great of casting as far as like from a book to a movie production as Fred Gwynn playing Judd Crandall. Um, he is my alpha and omega in this movie. 
He's everything. He's exactly as I pictured Judd. He, you know, he had, he nailed the accent. I mean, he's a great presence and, you know, but, uh, this, this is a book and, you know, because the book create, you know, there'll be no movie without it. Being a parent, my, my son looked exactly like Gage and I used to have dreams that would happen to Gage. You know, we've spoken about this, uh, fairly recently on one of our shows, um, that happened to my son. And so it got scarier. And I just recently reread it probably about a month ago. I'm like, damn, this, this book holds up. I, and I think that there are some points that I can argue for in, in favor of this film. And do I think it's a masterpiece? I'm going to clue you in with a little spoiler. No. And that <laughs> remake, I, I had the doom signs from the start. I don't like it, but uh, we'll get into that more later. But I just want to talk about like Pet Cemetery, how it came to me. I got, the book was first. And sometimes whatever your first is sticks with you. Like if you saw the movie first and then read the book, will you already have these ideas juxtapositioned on onto your like when you're reading the book, you're picturing what these people look like in the movie. Whereas I went to the movie picturing how I saw them in the book. And, and I think sometimes your first leaves a bigger impression on you. Um, we'll get into more of what I think of this movie. I just wanted, that's my introduction to how Pat Cemetery in general came into my life. I did see this. I, I believe it was opening weekend when it came out in theaters. Um, no clue because all we knew was Stephen King. And at that point, like, um, like creep show we knew creep show we knew Firestarter. we knew christine we knew um i might be i mean my sister and i um and maximum overdrive so we kind of had an idea of what stephen king was kind of capable of and then we saw this movie <laughs> um we were under the impression that it was about like dead animals that that came back to life and so we're like okay so it's like cujo no it was the complete opposite of something like that um movie fucking honestly this this was the only movie I, I i will tell you that traumatized me as a child was this one um i could not sleep until fucking batman came out months later that's that's how much like i was i, I couldn't sleep um i would get up at like four or five in the morning every day because i would have fucking like just nightmares about this fucking movie and then i saw it when i got older you know, because they yeah. always say like your your biggest fear movies are the ones you end up loving right after. That's not the case with this one. <laughs> I think that's why I like Creep Show so much more. I think that's why I liked Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and those kind of movies because Freddy I always liked. You know, whatever the case may be, this one to me um, definitely was one of those magician tricks where it's more illusion and it was like the allure of what was going on versus the actual like it didn't age well for me as an adult i i we'll talk about it later as we get deeper into the plot but i i did see it as a child i am one of the the casualties of this movie being traumatic as a child but as i got older i realized like what a sham this movie really was so we'll get into that a little further down the down the conversation okay yeah I'm I'm kind of with Candy, like you know when she talks about the the your first, um, but my first was Salem's Lot, and it was not this. And Salem's Lot will always be my favorite Stephen King novel. Um, I've only read better. <laughs> I've only read this um, once, and it was a long, long ass time ago. I need to go back and revisit it. Um, 
But as far as the movie's concerned, so this came out in 89. I was nine years old. I don't think I saw this until maybe a couple of years later. Uh, video store rental, maybe uh, thir- 12 or 13 when I saw it. Um, and I, <clears throat> I don't really have a whole lot of memories, except that Zelda scared the fuck out of me. And you and everybody else. And yeah. that was what traumatized me the most. Um, I do remember watching Pet Cemetery 2 a lot more. Uh, only, Same. Only <laughs> because, like, oh, God. I, I, I was telling Candy earlier, I, when Terminator 2 came out, like, I, Edward Furlong was my he shit. Was, he was the shit back then. And, and yeah, so any brain scan in this uh, or in brain Pet Cemetery 2, uh, just watch the shit out of him. But, you know, going back and visiting this years later, like, um, I do agree, Fred Gwynn is the absolute MVP in this film. Okay, uh, Dave and Crystal. Well, I was just thinking that how it is, like if you read a book first and see the movie after the book, I think the movie always suffers because of that. And I think it's the opposite. If you see the movie first and read the book, people always say, oh, the book had so much more. I think movies suffer when you read the book first because it's almost impossible to convey everything in a book in a, you know, a 90 minute or a hundred minute movie. It's just impossible. I think this movie does a, a fairly decent job. Some of the stuff they had to excise from the book is unfortunate because it, it lends a lot um, of uh, background and interesting story to the, uh, that would have done well in the movie, but it's, you know, you don't have the time or the, and this movie was actually fairly low budget, I think, uh, even for its day. Um, I, I think it suffers because of that. And I, I can't remember if I read the book first or saw the movie. I think I read the book first. But uh, I thought the movie was fine. The movie's very, it's very melodramatic. We watched it last night and it's very, most of the acting in it is very like pronounced and melodramatic. It almost feels like they're trying to almost be campy with it. Uh, especially the two parents, the way that they act, particularly the, the father. Uh, he's just, his acting is very, very dramatic. Uh, it, it almost feels like a made for TV <laughs> movie to me. But I think it's fine. It does get, yeah, uh, Zelda, terrifying. Everyone who's seen this movie, that, that gave them nightmares. Yeah. Uh, just that whole and uh, and the cat, but cats are scary anyway. I no. thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. I was listening to uh, some uh, podcasts about this movie today, and they were saying that, uh, that the cat is terrifying just because it's a cat anyway, right? It's not. It's like it's not that much different than when he comes back. But it's still a cat. It's still scary. <laughs> still a little asshole. Yeah. I look. I looked it up real quick. Uh, the budget for this was eleven and a half million. Surprising yeah, after it's actually yeah, so, yeah, so two years before. Day, no, that's 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 money now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me that money, I'll make this. Um, <laughs> um, for me, I was telling Dave last night when we were watching this that I don't think I had ever seen this from beginning to end. I think I had seen like a clip here and a clip there. Um, this movie came out when I was five. Um, and then by the time it came out on VHS, I had turned six and my sister was like a month old. Um, and so I do remember like my parents renting this when I was little. Um, but my sister was, um, like bright blonde hair when she was born, like bright blonde when she was little. And I, I remember like my parents, even though my dad's a huge Stephen King fan, my dad didn't didn't really take to this movie that much. And it's probably because he had a small, small infant. And, and basically what this movie was about. Um, this movie, I you know, for me watching it, the main thing that I had kind of an issue with 
uh, as we watched it um, was who the fuck sleep in scrubs. Um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, entire doctors. No, because those aren't even like scrubs that you obtain even back in that day. Those are OR issued scrubs, and those are the itchiest, worst material to put on your body ever. <laughs> that is like the like starch to the extreme will walk for you uh, material. That's, that shit so, itches. So you you're, are not going to sleep in so, that shit. So you're saying that you don't want no scrubs? Uh, I know. Uh, no, see what you did there. On your side of your best friend's ride. No, no. That man, I don't know how he was walking around and just sleeping in scrubs, and how his wife was just like, "You going to sleep in scrubs, honey? Okay, sexy. Come to bed." Uh, no, I, I no. Um, mm -mm. Sounds like so, he's been chasing too many waterfalls. Yeah. Oh my so. god. <laughs> I can do Lisa Lepti's entire rap from that song. Do it right now. Let's hear I, it. I, I, I'm not under pressure. Aww. <laughs> He'll sneak it in sometime at, at some point uh, during this. But yeah, um, and then it kind of caught me off guard because I did not uh, remember at all uh, that uh, Fred Gwynn was in this. And then when I saw him, like my dad's dad looked exactly like Fred Gwynn. So it, it kind of kind of kind of shook me some there and so i was talking to my sister today about it and she was like oh yeah i like that movie and i was like no he he i didn't realize papa looked like herman monster and i sent her a photo because she was like what are you talking about i sent her a gif of judd and she was like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> we were like oh boy so yeah so that's also another reason we probably did not have this movie on on repeat, my dad was probably like, no, nah, he looks like dad. That looks like my child. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was my experience. I don't think I'd seen this totally uh, until last night. Well, that's me. Okay. Um, Erica, we haven't heard from you. Yeah. So let's see. I think I saw this um, as a teenager and it, it, I didn't get to see the like the uncut version. I saw it on cable TV with commercial breaks and censored and you know all that crap. Nonetheless, I did find it pretty traumatizing. Like the, the scene where uh, Gage is hit by that truck was like just heartbreaking. It actually made me cry. And there were a few scenes with I I, I don't know if they're like jump scares. It, it, they would be done now. Like now I think it'd be done in a cheaper way, but there were some just odd things that really startled me. Like uh, the scene when uh, Lewis like wakes up and throws the blankets off and his feet are covered in mud like that, like startled me. And there were some other weird things that startled me that technically aren't all that scary, but it was just like timed very well. Um, that, that said, I mean, I can see some of Nico's criticisms that, uh, when you rewatch it as an adult, it's really like not as scary. I don't hate this movie like you know, Nico does. I I still see some like really positive things about it, but I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece by any means. And also, I have yet to see any movie that made cats like successfully made cats scary. I have to disagree on that. Like. Church like is creepier than the average um, killer cat, but I mean he's still not that scary. I they don't just know, like the cat from hell situation in Tales from the Dark Side or anything. I don't know. I think Lady and the Tramp successfully made cats evil. 
I was going to sing the song, but it really just absolutely racist, so I won't sing it. Well, unless you want to count the live action cats, that's fucking terrifying. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't want to count that. I didn't even spend a nickel on that movie, and I'm not going to spend my time on it either. No. <laughs> I find it amusing that, that, that we're all cat people, and we agreed that Church, after he comes back, isn't that much different from any cat, and we still have these things in our homes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, well, well, oh, sorry. Um, no, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I've read the book some years later, um, and I, I always felt like Lewis was just an asshole to this poor cat. Like, I never <laughs> yeah. I, I never felt that Undead Church, you know, deserved that kind of abuse. Like, like no wonder the cat, you know, hated him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no wonder the cat fucking you up at every chance. Right? <laughs> well, and as, as, a, as a cat owner, it makes me not like lewis which is kind of you know <laughs> takes away from the character because you're supposed to like like this guy well even exactly. in the book it goes more into depth of the things and sort of his relationship with church you get more backstory you get more like current story you get more how he feels you're in his head and so that i think reads you know reads uh comes across a lot better in the book one of the things that they, i don't that's something that could have been translated better but wasn't no. Right. And with some of that, like, I don't know, I could see it might be a little difficult to translate to screen. <clears throat> like, the way the cat feels when he picked him up. Like, yeah, they can say this cat smells bad, and, like, you can kind of get, oh, like, the cat smells like it's dead, but it's, like, trying to convey that it just feels like a lump of dead flesh that, like, it just doesn't That's feel quite right. Like, you can't really slimy. convey that. There were a lot of yeah. words, because we know he's like, superfluous with words. The master of description. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. That, that kind of thing is kind of hard to convey on film. I mean, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you know, damn well, battle he was, the cocaine animals tonight. You know, goddamn well, he was fucking like on Locked his like up. coke binge during this shit. <laughs> yeah. I love right. to write about evil animals in his coked up states. We'll talk about that more later. Oh, yeah. yeah. And by, and by, by the way, to kind of talk about the acting real quick to jump in, because she is, listen. Aside from Fred Gwynn, who was always a fucking professional no matter what, this is like soap opera level acting in this fucking movie. <laughs> this is yes. this is even this is even below a lifetime movie. And this is like 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 the budget sprung for like, oh, let's get somebody who's kind of accomplished that knows what the fuck they're doing. I know, let's get somebody who is Fred Gwynn from the monsters and can actually fucking act in this movie and act so and, the and, whole movie on his back. <laughs> listen, let's let's not get it fucking twisted. There's not one redeemable fucking character in this movie. Not one. Or in the yeah. book either, to be honest sure. with you. And I did read the book years later, a couple years ago, when I started getting more into reading Stephen King books to kind of start the collection. But I mean, there's, I mean, even even Pascal tries and fails miserably to fucking be like the harbinger of of doom to let them know. And of course, what does this fucking dumbass do? It's in one ear and out the fucking other. That's <laughs> yeah. like we like we we discussed. Don't look up during the Nope episode. Um, same thing. It's like you got these fucking idiots that there's COVID. They don't want to get fucking vaccines. They they don't believe it until they fucking get it. Lewis is the same way. Honestly, had Lewis have lived, spoiler that he dies, maybe. But spoiler, I think if Lewis would have lived and gone on to you know go into his old age, he 100% would have fucking voted for Trump and been an anti-vaxxer <laughs> and literally everything. He would have been a fucking Karen in his old age. <laughs> no fucking doubt about it. There was going to be no I, old I age, hope, though. I would hope that had Rachel not have been sliced up by her fucking kid, 
that um, she would have had the good sense to fucking leave his bitch ass. <laughs> no, no, she looked like she came from old money. No. <laughs> and she dressed like a campfire girl in the whole movie. Every time she's wearing like the little checkered skirts and like, why is she dressing the way she dresses with those those tight collars and she's just dressed weird in the whole movie. Fashion. And I'm just gonna say this because I did have my hand up. I'm just gonna say this. Like a this is this is such a such a massive plot hole in both the book and the fucking movie. Um, Lewis is a doctor, right? Yes. Okay. So knowing full well they bought this house that is on that fucking stretch of road where trucks go up and down, up and down at all hours of the day and night. But again, I'm going to rewind. Lewis is a doctor, correct? Yes. yes. Making that doctor kind of money. Yes. For the most part. So why couldn't he buy a fence and put a fence around the fucking perimeter? That so they weren't, even, they the weren't on his property when it happened. They were at Mrs. Benson's field where they would fly the kite. But in, in the, the in the book, it was in the in the no, front no, yard, it wasn't it? Mrs. Benson's field. Or am I thinking of the the shitty remake where it's in, in the yard? The shitty remake. Regardless of the fact, where the church wouldn't have got fucking hit. Maybe I mean I know cats climb and whatever, but I feel like that fence would have maybe something. Yeah. As far as yeah. as far as the gauge thing, like PSA, parents, watch your fucking kids. Put a leash on them. Yeah. Yeah, but Especially you know, toddlers <laughs> because toddlers can go real fast. This is exactly <laughs> why. This they is do. exactly we, why we like talk, they have leashes on these fucking kids. Before, though, anybody who's a parent has had that moment at the mall or wherever where you lose track of your kid for three seconds and, and it feels like an hour. Stop. Feels like an hour and a half. Yeah. I've, I've been there. Where, you know, you're just like, where the hell's my kid? And, and they're hiding in a rack of clothes, digging. Your your mind goes to all those horrible places. Yeah, it's, 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 my child. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, like, it's like what am I gonna do? Literally ten seconds later, they're right next to you. Yeah. Yeah, we've to all been back. there. And you're just like, never do that again. But, but <laughs> to go like, back to this. I but I was saying the fucking there's there's not one redeemable person in it. Even, even you know what. The, the cat's the most redeemable fucking character in this fucking movie. Well, Nico, I do have That's a rebuttal it. to what you're saying, and I'll do that when it's my turn because my, my hand's up, but I will I do have a rebuttal, sort of an explanation of what I think about that. But is, is it is it my turn? Yeah. I think so, oh, okay. actually, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the thing is, is I totally agree with that, but um, they should have been closer to him. You know, he's flying the kite, and they had that whole moment. Um where, oh, look, he's showing him how to fly the kite. And it was, you know, as Lewis says in the book, you know, it was the happiest day of his life and he didn't know it yet. Um, the happiest that he would ever be is the day he taught Gage to fly a kite. But why were they letting this child run? What the fuck were they doing? If my child is in a big field and we know this road's there, I'm fucking watching him. But the reason is, and Judd explains this, like, I may be responsible for the death of your son because the place has power. You know, the Micmac burial ground um, because he took him up there. He shared the secret that's not quite a secret there in the town of Ludlow. He takes him up there and he'd been up there quite a few times, wants to bury his own dog spot, but he said it had power. Which was a a nice little nod to the monsters, by the way. Yes. And so um yeah, so he takes him up there, and he's he'd been up there several times, but you don't know that at the time. And later on, he went after after Gage dies. He's like, I may have been responsible for your son because the place has power and it's reaching its maximum power. So in taking you up there to bury your cat, to show you that sometimes dead is better, you know, to sh- to let your daughter learn that lesson because your wife is, you know, this, you know, Rachel is very afraid of death because her trauma as a child right. is her sister Zelda, whatever. Right. But the place. 
you know, what it does is like it takes casualties. So that all is almost like the place had the power to to make what happened happened. And that was always my understanding of it with Gage. Like that's why Gage got killed was because the place wanted more. And that's why the, the, the quote that I picked is anyone ever buried a person up there. And that's when Judd first is explaining, you know, he took him and taken him up there and they buried church church came back and he's like, excuse me, Judd, but what the fuck? And Judd's like, you know, tell him about the whole story. Okay. My dog didn't really die of old age. Here's what, he died the first time like this. And he's like, wait, what? And so he's explaining, but then, you know, Lewis is casually like, Oh, anybody ever bury a person up there? And I think the exclusion of Norma, um, Judd's wife, in in all of it in in both yeah and both of those um we really needed norma norma and she wasn't a huge presence but it was important because when she died he left her buried you know he didn't you know he as much as he loved her he he knew because of the timmy baderman story which is the scariest part to me i'm sorry it it, it that part is terrifying no i agree i mean i mean the gay part is obviously but i mean the timmy baderman shit sticks with me the images yeah. and, and the whole thing sticks with me. But so he goes after, you know, um, Gage is killed. Like, I think I, I, I'm responsible for bearing your son. We got Fred Gwynn doing like just genuine grief. Like, you know, the reason I told you no is because, yes, it has happened. And this is some sort of town secret that's not really secret. Nobody talks about it. But, yeah, we've seen it happen in the Timmy Baderman story. Like, you don't want to put your son up there. And I know that's on your mind. And I know that you're grieving. And I'm sorry that the place did this, but like, no, you don't want this. And he has to you know, tell that story. And it's still not enough because and, and I think this is very much a story about grief. And I think that that is portrayed rather well in, in this film. Um, you know, I I'm not going to speak on the remake until I have to. But yeah, and I think I think, you know, there, we have genuine moments of real grief coming across. I thought that was rather well done. But um, but yeah, so taking church up there really started activating the power again. And then it took Gage and then it kept taking. And, you know, Lewis is part of that addiction that Judd says, I have it and it's it's my fault. Um, so I, I really love that that part. And I think that's important. So people think of Pet Cemetery, they think of the cat and, you know, the, some some the symbolism and all that. Sorry, I get a little stuttery. But, you know, church is really the least of our concerns in this movie um even on the, even on the book <laughs> and even in the book yes church is really a catalyst catalyst sorry i just but, um, what I said. <laughs> catalyst not intentional anyway but he's a catalyst and um but stephen king loves to write about evil cats so i he does not like cats he had he keeps dogs he does not he's a dog cats. person and there's so a corgi molly aka about, the thing of evil but he mostly talks about molly the thing of evil but yeah I he doesn't even corgi. own cats so he always uh in, in a lot of his his literature there's always evil cats and this is like the most shiny example of you know we're gonna make this all about an evil cat because cats are already evil and that even lewis is like <laughs> well you know cats live these bloody lives and all of this shit and it's easy to make a cat seem evil because they are dicks, but they're not evil. You know, like so I'm with Erica. I don't like this anti-cat propaganda. I don't like it. Church is not the bad one here. There's more, there's bigger evil afoot. So. Well, you know what it is too? I feel like that it church is a, a MacGuffin, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yes. For the whole thing. <laughs> um 
I mean, I, I get I, we we all know why he wrote the story because it got very close because the 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 gauge incident with with the kite that happened in real life and he was able to catch his son in time. But you know, it's like that. What if? That what if? And you know, apparently, cocaine was still a hell of a drug back in <laughs> the early '80s for him. And yep. He wrote he wrote the book like as quickly as fucking possible and just look at maximum overdrive. Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't even remember <laughs> writing too. To? Though, to be fair, mom likes that movie. Oh. And she you know, asked, my mom asked, "What's the movie with the big truck with the green face?" And Candy, to kind of go back to what you're saying with the book too. I mean, even like during that, there's there's parts in the book too where, like, the the burial ground is actually talking to Judd. Remember, it's like saying like, "You stay out of this." stay out of this you like you like uh, don't get involved you and it's and like, it's like doing stuff to him like making him fall asleep when he's kind of sitting sentry like i'm trying to fix what i did wrong and you know judd to me this whole movie is carried on the back of fred when i'll go more into that on another time but uh have you, uh, have you ever seen the meme on Facebook, by the way, that that's been around with him um, where it's I like it, where it's him, it's 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 him all serious. And it's like, um, you never want to bury your cat up there, you know, whatever. Don't don't go up to the pet cemetery. And another one's like, oh, let me show you this really cool trick with I, that I can do with with your dead cat right now. <laughs> I because yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it and send it. But it's like yeah, that that honestly, one hundred percent, like nails the whole fucking story where Again, it just proves that there's not one redeemable character in this fucking movie. Not even Save Judd, who I love. No, the portrayal not Judd of. at all. Judd, Judd, he was, you know, it was working through Judd. The, the burial ground was working through Judd to get the catalyst to make it powerful. And then he's like, oh, fuck. And on top of that, you know, this, this goes back to what we discussed during the note. This is all about the hubris of man thinking that they hubris can play God. Man. That's it. This really and just about goes grief. down it. We've had about grief. horror movies about grief. This is not one of them, but it, it is about no, grief. No, not even remotely close. Like this, so, um, this honestly, like this is like what great. I like to call like this is actually like worse. This is like the requiem for a dream or like the precious of like fucking horror movies, but not like and the fact that like they're well acted and like you're like shit. Like let's let's like you know give this movie all the flowers because I would give this movie Stephen Piles or fucking dog shit if I could <laughs> on its porch. But go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. David Chris, you guys put hand up. And also, in the, something, something I wish uh, they had carried over from the book was that even the uh, truck drivers passing through that part of town felt something, something about like the urge to drive fast, even though they couldn't explain why. So it, it's interesting that it, it reaches out even to that degree, even just the truck drivers passing through it kind of uses them to its will to kill these pets uh he says the road uses up and, and even a with Dave, like if they talk about um his his motivation why was he driving so fast you know it's like yeah he, i think in the book it says pedal to the metal and they said why and he couldn't explain why he felt the urge and to he drive killed him. himself yeah uh and all this to me if, if you didn't know that this was a stephen king book i think you would think this was a richard bachman book because it's kind of a nasty book like it's most true. of stephen king's books have a real, you know, or, or have some scary shit, some awful shit, but they always have some sort of redemptive arc, something positive at the end, some sort of mess. This book does not. There's nothing, nothing good happens at all. So you would, I think if you didn't know, you would think this was a Bachman book. No. It just has that nasty, and maybe mm -hmm. because of where he was in his, in his uh, headspace at the time, doing all the, uh, you know, the uh, Bolivian marching powder. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I think sugar, he even sugar booger. <laughs> that he didn't want he didn't want this published at all. He put it away for like three years, but he had to 
uh, he had to finish out his contract with uh, Doubleday, I think. I think yeah. it was so Doubleday at the time. And he happened to have it ready, so he pulled it out. And he, you know, he didn't even want it. Um, didn't even want it uh, yeah, published. It was, it it was, was his a, wife, Tabitha. Yeah. She's she's the one that made him publish it. Tabitha is MVP. Can we talk yeah. about Tabitha she, being fucking MVP in his she life? She really is. She really is. That's like wife to the instant degree right there. She's yeah. amazing. No, without uh, him, he, there would be no Stephen King right now. Yeah. If we're being honest. Yeah. Threw away Carrie, and she was like, "No, you got something here." Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was. She was. Yeah. That, that dead on it. Yeah. He's yeah. Was MVP that, that marriage was, right there? Is that in Dance Macabre where he goes into that, like when he was like that, typing, and he talks about it in on writing as well. Yeah, typing in the laundry room mm-hmm. with, on the piece of wood between the washer and the dryer, and yep. Yeah. Um, a couple, your turn, sir. A couple things I I wanted to point out because I I never really like dived into any trivia on this. Never had any need to, but of course, in preparing for the show, that we almost got a George Romero directed Pet Cemetery. Yes, we did. Yeah, what would that have been like? And we almost cool. got a, better. And we almost got a Tom Savini directed Pet Cemetery, which cool. kind of blew my mind because as much as I love you know his Night of the Living Dead, like I would have loved to have seen how he would have taken this. Um, and the other thing I want to mention is the director, Mary Lambert. Um, she had directed a shit ton of Madonna videos before mm-hmm. this, um, later went on to do a couple of Motley Crue candy. And, uh, I like my stripper music. All right. And she directed my jam from the eighties. Um, the Bobby Brown, uh, my prerogative. I remember when you, when Amy threw that your tape of it over the she, fence. She I was took there my that Bobby day. Brown tape and threw it over the fence. I was pissed. Wait, was Mary Lambert responsible for today's incident when Tommy Lee on social media? <laughs> oh God! Okay, I don't know what that was it, it, referring to. I was asking Sean, and he didn't know. Didn't we already know? It has to be about okay. his penis. Is okay. it about his yeah. penis? So he he yeah he took a, a full body of him in the tub, and his dick was like he was like kind of standing up, and his dick was like into the water. <laughs> Because it's the, it's the size of my fucking arm. Spoiler: He's got a big dick. Yeah, if you, if you've never seen the, if you've never, if you've never seen, seen the Tamil Tommy, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's, on, it's on Twitter for who wants to see it. You can go on there now. But my, but my question is, like, you know, with having Mary Lambert direct, he tapped her because she was friends with the Ramones, and and I think maybe she had and done some work with them. The Ramones is one of his favorite bands. Right, and so she's the one that talked the Ramones into writing uh, Pet Cemetery uh, to use in the film, and so he chose to have her direct. Now, you know, maybe this is geared more towards Nico, uh, but do you think that th- that was a poor choice having her direct? I mean, obviously, I think having a George Romero or Tom Savini direct would have been ten times better. But do you think I- that maybe that's why it seems so soap opera ish? Well, I, no, because that that the, then then we're then we're kind of jumping into like you know like like the gender battle there. I think it's, I think it's more because you needed somebody who was more seasoned, and I think that a Romero probably would have been a better choice, even a Wes Craven, or John Carpenter, like somebody who actually, well, honestly, somebody not only who knows horror but somebody who actually knows film versus like it it almost feels like now that now that we you know because I, I forgot that she actually did a bunch of madonna videos until you said something i mean it it very much feels like a 90 minute like slow paced like love ballad music video <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's shot as such like even like the cinematography it's very music video and not that i have anything against you know music video direct like when hype williams did belly it was a fucking or 90 Fede minute Alvarez yeah. when he did the um 
remake of Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Or the but see, that, that was different, though, because that was more stylized, I feel like, and that one worked. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, it was still a good choice based on his what right. he had done previously. Right. I thought he but did then, a great fucking but then, job. I mean, we're going to have to bring up the obvious right now. Our, our, our favorite <laughs> shit master behind the fucking camera that is involved with music and Rob Zombie also yeah. puts the <laughs> point you cannot... Not everything turns to gold. I mean, you can't pour no. syrup on shit and call it pancakes every time that it's going to work. It like ain't. a trash can gold. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah, he got lucky once, and I know this is my personal opinion with Devil's Rejects, but other than that, really, most of his movies either suck lucky. or cartoony and meh. You know, I just, um, yeah. I mean, even even funny, we're talking about Fred Gwynn and Herman Munster, and now Rob Zombie already desecrated that fucking franchise. I knew that was going to come up. It was yeah. going to have to. I mean, it, I mean Fred it, Gwynn it looks... is like a fucking icon. Yeah. It, I mean, it, and there's nothing against the, the actor they got to play Herman Munster because at least visually, okay, I can kind of see why they chose him. The personally, voice, personally, I would have went with Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond because, you know, he kind of already has the voice like that when yeah, he calls. Yeah, he could do the voice so, perfectly. You know, plus he has the height, too. And, yeah, you know, he's a big guy. But, I mean, we've all seen the trailer. I mean, Rob Zombie, it looks like he shot that thing on a fucking toaster with, like, the first-generation iPhone. <laughs> like, I've seen student films. It doesn't even knock on he student films. He shot it films, on a Blackberry. <laughs> He he wishes he had a BlackBerry for that. Holy shit. It looks like it was on a flip phone like fucking Razor from Razor, back in the day. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I've seen student films that look better and have better production <laughs> value than that fucking piece of shit is going to have. Yeah. So, you know, Fre- Fred Gwynn would never have anything to worry about anybody ever taking the spot of Herman yeah. Munster, even in, even in the afterlife, he he can rest easy knowing that he's laughing. He, yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be yeah, with that Herman Munster laugh too with, you know, being the goat for, for that for that character that nobody will ever come close to it yeah. especially now with what this fucking dipshit's fucking doing and, and, and speaking of dipshits in this movie that little asshole it's in this time. fucking movie that swears to Christ he's fucking hot shit at every fucking convention him and fucking Alex I just Alex, saw him at a con I was like not talking to you yeah. Oh yeah, and him and fucking Alex Vincent from fucking Child's Play, where at least he's able to parlay his little fifteen minutes because of USA and Sci-Fi having the Chucky series, and they kind of need Andy. But him, fucking what was it, Miko, Miko Hughes, Alex Vincent, and Zach Ward, fucking Scott Parkus, the three of them, the fucking Lollipop Guild, <laughs> of fucking Hollywood of the fucking conventions, all short little micro midget motherfuckers. And I'm sorry if midgets are uh, a term that's that's whatever, but fuck all three little of them. People. Yeah, well, no, fuck them. They're the fucking lollipop guild. <laughs> all, all three of them, and I will fucking bitch slap all fucking three of them if I ever fucking they, they try to fucking ever step up again. But um, you remember how we avoided Miko Hughes? We were like, we're not even going over yeah. there because when we did Days of the Dead just uh, recently, like within the last couple of weeks, um, they had a, a mini reunion of uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the 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 actors were there. Miko Hughes was there, and I was like, nope. Yeah, hey, he's a he's a he's a cocky little shit. Like he thinks his like I mean what? No one was at because, his table. If that makes you feel better. Oh, that does make me feel better because I know no he was, was at, he was he was actually here in Scranton. No a couple one was of, talking to him like a month ago for they they did a screening up at cemetery at the one drive-in that nobody ever goes to. Um, he was there, and my friends were like, "Oh, do you want to go?" I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like I will bury that fucking. He's not coming back." 
Like we, <laughs> not in the Big Mac burial ground. Yeah, You're not no, gonna yeah. bury him there. We're gonna, I'm gonna bury him right into the fucking pavement. <laughs> be, like I will whoop his fucking monkey ass up and down fucking Scranton. Are you fucking kidding me? Like this ain't fucking <laughs> happening. Him and the rest of the lollipop fucking guild over there. Um, but but that being said, like he acts like he's fucking hot shit at every fucking convention. He, uh, he was not hot shit. Like nobody was talking to him. Well, Everybody no, because, was mobbing like Kane Hodder well, and. The right. usual Patty you know, actual, you know, well, actual yeah. horror icons. Yeah. Um, not, not you, Miko fucking Hughes. Yeah. But I think um, so. Like Denise, Denise Crosby was there. Yeah. She's awesome, Brad, and I have and I have a really cool story with her. Brad, that I, Brad, that I had. Uh, Green, Grinquist. Yeah. Yeah. He, he both of their tables had people at him, but yeah, poor Nico. Yeah, nobody Nico was talking to Miko Hughes. Sitting there on his phone. Well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, fucking, he did he did kindergarten cop, and what he was didn't he have an assistant either. He was just well, in. No. yeah, of course, because I mean, I mean, what, what did he do after this? He did kindergarten cop, where he couldn't figure out what he likes more, even now, penis or vagina. Um, <laughs> let's see, he was he was in Spawn. And he played a little bum kid, which ironically was going to be the future for him doing conventions for a living now because he has no fucking career now. Uh, let's see <laughs> what else. And New Nightmare. And he fucking that's actually part of the reason I fucking hate New Nightmare. He takes me out of the whole fucking thing completely. Well, we were yeah. well during New Nightmare. We we're just like throw the whole kid away. Yeah. Yeah, Start just, from just was completely unnecessary. Have another he, child. <laughs> have another he can't, child. Listen, he, he can't fucking act. more than one. He can't act. Even on Full House, he couldn't act. He was a little shit on fucking Full House, too. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? He like was this... so cute, though. But the thing is, is like, if I were to hold up a picture of Ash when he was little, he looked like Gage. But but yeah. obviously, he grew up to... He's he's, he's going to be six foot tall very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm like, I'm like this, this, but, this little And he looks like me, group. and I don't think I'm hideous. But, you know, he was the same hair dye. But when he was little, he had the white blonde hair. And it was real cute. Yeah. And it was just like... So it like fucked with my head really bad yeah, but but this but this little prick instead only grew like a foot or two after he's like a fucking hobbit my kid would, my kid could kick his ass i'm gonna yeah. put that on the table yeah. my kid could kick his ass but um right. but yeah uh, he you know, he's all like oh gage fuck fuck that little prick fuck him <laughs> fuck him up his stupid ass i fucking <laughs> oh my god like i i really cannot fucking stand that little asshole out, out of anybody too like I, I think the most he's one of my ones like i will punch in the fucking face freely <laughs> Like I don't give a fuck at all. <laughs> like <laughs> fuck him. But tell us how um, you really feel. Yeah, well you I'm, know. I'm yeah, I'm feeling like ambiguousness from you. <laughs> but um, um but yeah, other than that, like I said, the only one that's really uh, Denise Crosby, I'll tell the story real quick. So bit bitch face, as we all know, I fucking have that evil fucking cunt rag and I'm that that that's how I'm already hyped up. She's meeting Denise Crosby for the fucking Walking Dead, not for anything else, but for the fucking Walking Dead, for the whole two episodes that she was on as Terminus Mary, getting a fucking Walking Dead book thing. And Denise Crosby had a that's, had a prop. That's grounds for breakup right there. Like. Oh yeah, well she was a fucking twat. And then Prince died on her birthday. That was even that was it. It was the, it was the purple flag there. But anyway. Um, I'm not sure if she had it at Days of Dead when you guys saw her, but she had like the prop of church on her table at when I saw her at Monster Mania. No, she didn't have the prop. Okay, so she had like the actual prop of church, and she's signing the, the the poster, and she's getting halfway through, and I'm like, you know, I just want to know like that movie like traumatized me as a child, and she stopped what she was doing. She looked at me like a mom, came around the the table and hugged me for like ten minutes. 
this bitch is making like faces like Ace Ventura because she's so pissed that she stopped signing her fucking poster. And Denise Crosby's actually holding me, consoling me, like, and she's, you know, because I'm taller than she is, you know, she's shorter. She's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I, I come across people a lot that when they were kids, so the movie and this happened. And I was like, oh no, like, don't worry about it. Like, you were just doing your job. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it was. And she's like, okay, well, I'm glad, like, you're okay. And she's like, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. I was like, no, no, I, I didn't say that. But <laughs> oh. I, that's taking it a little too far. I'm like, we're not going to go that that far. I'm like, I, I preferred you on the next generation. Honey. Yeah. But, well, you know, on, yeah, on, on Star Trek. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, she, she was a sweetheart. I met Dale Metcalf briefly. He was actually really nice. For the for the ten seconds, I said hi to him, but he I didn't wanna, age I well. I want to go back in time and meet Fred Gwynn. I would love no, to. He, yeah, he, I would love to. He's on I'm going to shut up now because I, I got I got go back in time list. Fred Gwynn's on it. I, I got I got my rant out where I fuck Miko Hughes and the rest of the Lollipop Guild of Horror, the little <laughs> Hobbits of Horror. <laughs> Hobbits and of horror. shall we carry on uh, with Dave and Crystal? Uh, I was I was just thinking about something funny in the movie that that made me laugh is that. They talk about the uh, Micmac burial ground like it's some secret. And then when they get up there, it's like 300 yards in circumference. It's this gigantic, like they could see it from the fucking space shuttle. And it's like this well, it's like this well-kept secret. It's like the like it would be a major archaeological, you know, site if it was for real. And it just love you're expecting this kind of hidden, it's just gigantic, you know. Because it's, like it's in Maine. Who gives a fuck about Maine? Yeah, nobody really cares about Maine. Maine. It's, it's Maine, man. I mean, Indian burial grounds and, and burial mounds are, are huge. So, like, here... Well, haven't we desecrated most of them by now? Fuck you. So, here... Well, I mean, we, we committed genocide, so, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, we have, like, uh, a... a popular 4-H camp here that it's literally called Rock Eagle and it is on part of uh, Indian ground and it's because there is a named Rock Eagle because there is an Indian burial mound in the shape of an eagle made with rocks. Right. We don't get too complicated. (laughs) Rock Eagle. (laughs) Very literal people. Yes. Yes. Different, Different mounds. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, because, and that's something that's also not in the movie that I think the movie would have benefited from is the fact that there's the Micmac burial ground, but the Micmacs that are left are are arguing with the state of Maine to try and get their land back. Yeah. And um, that, that plays heavily into the book. And it's just one of those things like, well, we don't have room in the movie. And I'm like, I think that's important. And I guess I'm going to brush the topic of the remake briefly. Um, what a waste of a John Lithgow. Like, I mean, I said that. What a waste. Wasted. What a fucking waste of him. But, but yeah. So, like, they took almost all the dialogue out. They changed everything around. They're like, oh, it's a reimagining. And I'm like, well, you reimagine it like shit. Um, like, <laughs> so compared to, so what I did was, you know, Pet Cemetery was never my favorite, except for I really loved Fred Gwynn's performance, even as a child. Like he was Judd. Like I couldn't picture anybody else playing Judd. But, you know, those teaser trailers for the remake or whatever a couple of years ago had me. And even though when it was revealed that there was going to be the gender swap and the dead kid, and I'm like, oh, man, but John Lithgow is going to be playing Judd. And like, you know, those are some big shoes to step into literally and figuratively. And then they give him no dialogue. They don't really give you any story. They change the story that exists around. But I, I was surprised by the lack of dialogue. Oh, and, and he refused to do the accent, too. 
Yeah. And so yeah. Like, it, it was just like, what the fuck? So it made me go back and go, oh, this movie doesn't suck as bad as I thought it did, because at least it tried to, to follow the movie. And I know that there are people that they're rare that do like the remake better or do like the remake at all, which, you know, like the way that you want to fight Miko Hughes is how I want to fight that remake. Like <laughs> it's, on, it's on Freddy versus Jason level for me. Um, wow. It makes me fucking furiously angry. I hate it so much because they, it's like they just shit all over everything. Like, fuck the book, you know, and fuck the previous movie, even that tried to follow the book. We're going to do what we want to do. And it's going to be really stylized and it's not going to work. But that's OK, because we've made our money. And, because that, you know, that's, audience, that's how they yourself. But but that's how they do things now. Everything is stylized for for the ADD, you know, but technology over iPhone audience is bullshit. If I agree. Can, if you can make, I, I want substance. I don't care about style unless you can man, unless you're fucking Hitchcock and you can give me both. Don't fucking try. Well, like to, I don't. I'm be, not into that to be, stylized to be fair, bullshit. To be fair, this is where you know you and I have like our our um you know road, roadblock where we have something that we can get done that has both. And we can't get this shit done, but then you got fucking, you know, them throwing Rob Zombie. money at like down a fucking porta potty. I wouldn't right, where, the toilet. I'll give it a yeah, porta potty. I'm throwing money like, down a porta potty where, to make where, this fucking remake. Well, oh. not even just that. Where bullshit like fucking movies like Terrifier exist. Ah, uh, yeah, I can't. No. And to be fair, honestly, I actually prefer Pet Cemetery Two over the over all of them. I, I you know I saw Pet Cemetery Two when it came out at the theaters. Uh, my best friend, uh, who we mentioned earlier, throwing the Bobby Brown tape when I was growing up, um, <laughs> she was a character. But uh, she had a big thing for Edward for a long. It was not too long after T2. And we saw it. And I can't remember a goddamn fucking thing about it. I saw it in theaters. And that, that was, I, I was like, I never need you, to see this again. You, you, know, you know what's great and about that movie? And that was that for me. <laughs> but then the I found that... out Casey Brown was in it. I'm like, why yeah. don't I remember yeah. him being well, in it? That's I was going to say, Mr. Krabs. Well, to know? say, yeah, it's funny to show people. I'm like, oh, that's Mr. Krabs. And they're like, that's Mr. Krabs. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, and look, there, there's fucking Goose from Top Gun. <laughs> also, yeah. also Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yeah. Who, who also, by the way, like at least Pet Cemetery Two, even though it is like kind of its own thing and kind of a standalone film, it's filled with much better fucking actors but than it, this one it is. Also, does make some references to the original story. It, it like does, that. like you know, with Ellie like and what all that other to Ellie right. and all of that. That's why I chose to be Ellie because Ellie is really a fucking annoying character to a lot of people. But I thought but... she had precog. She's a pre she's a total precog. And so she was, you know, as this young, you know, five, six year old girl knowing what's going to happen, but not being able to communicate it very well because she's really young, this young child. And everybody's like, she's really annoying because she's crying about her cat. She's she's annoying because she's throwing temper tantrums. I'm like, have any of you ever had children? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, well, you can't to just be, hate your own, kid, your own kids. My daughter was, was like a total Ellie. Like everything was drama queen. Everything was over the top. Like. You know, like I understood Ellie and that she was just trying to, she was worried about her parents. She was worried about, you know, and even after her brother died, like she was the most steady of them, um, you know, and she had those precognitions and nobody. Isn't it implied in the book that she has the shine? Yes, it is. Yes, she has the shine. And it ended up being like the worst nightmare for her. She was the one that survived. And then in Pet Cemetery too, like the really the only reference we do get a reference, but is that Ellie went insane. And I was like sad to hear which, that. Which I, I, you know, that that was more of like like a cheap like whatever like. But like we got to mention some shit happened before, or none of this is gonna add up. We got to have but, some 
meager ties. So they throw that one fucking thing out, and that was all the reference we get to the first movie. But goddamn, did did she grow up to be a fucking like smoking hot? I'm gonna have to look her up now. Fox, <laughs> like Blaze being her name. Yeah, well, Blaze being her name because we were all the same age as her anyway. So like, it's not even fucking weird that we say this, but um, she grew up to be fucking gorgeous. Um, Blaze is ap- aptly aptly named Blaze. Because she is fire, so <laughs> mm. <She> long bottomed. <laughs> oh well, you know she, I, that's she, that's kind of how I feel about Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster was hot too. Oh, yeah. still yeah. Was, Fry was always really cute. Yeah. Always cute. So was so was Jessica we were Alba. The, we were the so. same age, so I can I can say that. Um, real quick, since nobody's brought it up, I've got to, I have to bring it up. Um, the Achilles heel. Ouch. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, when I saw it the first time, I was like, "Ow!" Like I literally Still, felt that. We talked about that hostile. Yeah, dude. Even yeah, even as day. even as fake as it looks, compared to other Achilles scenes, it's still effective. Yeah. Well, for 1989, it wasn't fucking bad. I'm not gonna, you know, nothing to shake a stick at, as my grandfather would say. Yeah, to this day, <laughs> just that just that scene, seeing it get sliced, and then him the falling bite. on the ground, and the bite, and then across the. Didn't he get it across the the yeah. mouth? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. It's like 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 the, the, Joker. the Joker. Yeah, yeah. And that, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. That scene. Yeah, uh, a, a fucking zombie toddler, little asshole, fucking sliced my <laughs> my mouth is how I got these scars. Yeah, <laughs> a little wooden doll. Yeah, there's something about just evil kids, like just. And why was he in a not. fucking top hat? Can someone? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. please. Erica, please. I watched the director's commentary. When you look at the scenes where um, Rachel and Ellie go to see, like Rachel's parents, and there's that yes. painting in the background yes. of a time in that very similar kind of costume. Um, the director said that she deliberately picked that type of picture in the background, and then that type of costuming, which was apparently a popular early American style of portrait of children, where you dress up children like little adults. She kind of wanted this inappropriate feeling of like you have this child who's old before his time, and there's just something that's like not right about it, so that it would kind of fit in with the theme of you know, like Gage is not coming back the way he was. He's something wrong, you know, wrong and awful. <clears throat> so it that's makes why a lot they, of sense. Yeah, yeah, that's why they went with that costume, and that's why that uh, that painting was. Um, in the background of that one scene. I feel like a doofus for not getting it. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's how I felt when I was looking at the trivia and realized that that was a man that played Zelda. No, yeah, I didn't get that out last night. And yeah, I, I did. I looked at it and I said, Dave, that yeah. woman looked like a man. And Dave went, that is a man. For years. <laughs> for years. That's I why know. I think that's part of the reason why it's so off putting is because. Right. Is it weird that I just got this Men whole move differently than women thing with ever. Zelda where, like, would you fuck me? And she's all twisted when she says it. <laughs> so oh, then there, yeah, for some, other, for some of those flashback scenes being kind of off-putting or unrealistic in a certain way, like, the oh, director is trying to show that people's memories are, of things are distorted or exaggerated, yeah. so the flashbacks don't have the same feeling of reality as, like, the present-day scenes are supposed to. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there was, like, a rationale for that stuff, but... I can get why some people would find it off-putting, and I find it a little bit off-putting. <laughs> no. Yeah, because it, it seemed like framed and shot to make you, you know, because almost like that fish, it, not not quite a fisheye lens. What am I thinking of? But what I it's, a it's not quite a fisheye lens, but it is like it, it, it is kind of a distorted. It's distorted. It's distorted. And like 
Yeah, and like when Zelda like moves really fast, sort of up to where the camera is to our view, that's scary mm-hmm. as shit. Yeah, the yeah. movement and because of the way it's shot, so that was done effectively. That's why a lot of people like to talk about that as being the scariest part of the film. Yeah, it's like, bitch, you need to tell a photo. You don't need a zoom. <laughs> I I find it ironic too. Like, so I, to me, that I don't I don't think this is a story that that really could be. I know we have two versions of this. Neither one got it right. And I mean, even even the book was kind of like, even he admitted it was kind of a throwaway. It was kind of like a cathartic, like just getting that out, what it was. And even he like, you know, we already know he never thought it was going to see the light of day. And then the irony is, is that Gerald's game was always considered unfilmable. And and that is leaps and bounds better. Well, Mike Flanagan, Mm -hmm. the man did it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that, that's why I think, I, I mean, honestly, if, if, because, you know, you know, Paramount, I don't know if you guys know. So Paramount Plus is working on not only a prequel movie for this when Judd's younger years. Oh, yes. They better um, cast that shit right. They're they're that they already started casting and I forgot who's who's going to be in it. I don't think it's, it's all like up and comers for the most part, because, you know, they're, they're trying to save money. Yeah. And it's, um, it's not about the names. It's somebody who can pull off a performance that will. Right. Which but you already know that <laughs> they're, they're not going to. They're, no, they're not going to. But I think um, I think if I read correctly too, they're going to be doing a series called Ludlow right after, where it's going to be about the town. Which I mean, at, at this point, like you're you're just do we need to do the town? You're milking at that fucking tea too yeah. much. <laughs> like stop. stop. I love the book though. I will, I'm going to throw that out there. I fucking love that book. The book scares the shit out it's, of me it's more not, consecutively than a lot of his other work, where it it gives me nightmares. It's, it's hard to scare me with fiction and he he i thought this was successful in that in book form i don't know it's for me like and again because i i grew up and i realized like wow this i, I think one of, one of the biggest things about the movie is that um as a child like it's it's so it's it's like the last 20 minutes of the movie is real or last half hour of the movie you're really like oh my god this is terrifying but then when you watch this as an adult you're like no it's really not like the little asshole looks like a, a chucky doll up in the attic and that's when he when he comes tumbling down after after his fucking after lewis um the movie's boring at points it takes like there's a lot of pacing with this that mm-hmm. at least the book kind of you know moves at a steadier pace it does ish. i mean it's, there's never a dull moment in the book but the movie fucking like this like to me it's like the exorcist it fucking drags until like that that almost the end of the, of the third act where you're kind of like, all right, well, now everything's kind of happening and whatever. I guess that's why maybe I prefer the second. This is one of the few. I prefer the second one over the over the first where it, with it being kind of... Because Pet Cemetery 2 is like kind of nonstop and like it, yeah. it, 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 the pacing is like... You're, you're never like, all right, like looking away from this, you're kind of, okay, like Clancy Brown as Gus, like fucking like commands your attention. I love Clancy Brown yeah. as anything. Right. And then you got fucking um, Edward Furlong, who, yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit now. But, right, but back then, <laughs> at that time, yeah, he was he was, he was the, the man back then, you know? Well, it's, it's I mean, funny, too, because Mary Lambert directed both of them. But yeah. the second, she, she did better with the second one. The second one didn't have a Stephen King written screenplay, so I think maybe that might mm-hmm. be where our he maybe he just needs to stick to writing books. Yeah, we well we've discussed that. We've we, done quite a bit of Stephen well, King. Like, don't write screenplays. Don't direct. Don't, <laughs> don't direct. Just uh, you know, if you want to play Jordy Barrel, you did that great. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Yeah. But like everything <laughs> else, just write your fucking books and and well, and, and I mean, figure that out. To, to be yeah, but to be fair, I mean, Creepshow. He did write Creepshow. But yeah, Creepshow's yeah. different. 
it's different because it feels you know because it's it's an anthology mm-hmm. it it feels more like a book on you know what i'm saying like a like book a comic on, book right yeah yeah, yeah right. kind of right yeah, which, so it can't of, be on purpose right yeah which yeah. which by the way this year is the 40th anniversary it know? is and and the, the chiller convention um in parsippany is having a full-on creep show reunion with daddy daddy tom oh, i can't be there i'm never gonna meet him <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm not gonna get into that right now. They even got they even got um what's his name from the Father's Day segment. The uh, her her brother, Cass's brother, is gonna be there. Um and Harris. Warren oh. Warren no no oh, Warren, no, the Warren, Warren Shock brother, Warren not the boyfriend. Warren Shock. Him. Yep. Wow. John John Amplis, our friend John, John Amplis. Amplis is yeah. gonna be there, yeah. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Um looks like Dave and Crystal have something to say. Uh well I wanted to say I thought it was interesting that you said that the the uh, Timmy Baderman portion was the scariest thing and i agree that part was terrifying and there's something about that concept and i think stephen king uses it in a couple other stories particularly the uh the jaunt something about when you go to the other side you come back with this knowledge so i think that's why the animals that that they bury up there come back and they're just kind of like assholes without generally murderous you know maniacs but when someone when a person goes there they they have this knowledge they come back with and i think that was the timmy baderman thing he came back with this sort of knowledge of the other side. If you remember the story of the jaunt. I love the jaunt. Um, I recommended it. Sean had never read it. That whole whole image of him, you know, it's longer than you think, longer than you think. Longer than you think, and he's clawing his eyes out. Yeah, so that Mm -hmm. that makes that whole Timmy Bearman part so much more disturbing. That felt so Bradbury to me. But I wanted to say, uh, in uh, looking up the stuff about this story, I started reading about the uh, Native American, uh, the, the legend of the Wendigo. And boy, is that some dark shit? I was, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like it, it's it's like uh, the uh, the the demon of cannibalism and starvation and and mm-hmm. avarice. It's just it's like wow, Native Americans come up with some fucked up dark shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like this demon that basically to tell you to not eat each other because it's a bad thing. And I that well, yes, that is a bad because thing. I guess in hard times, you know, they well, I mean, basically, you have the Wendigo and you also have skinwalkers, but Wendigos were. Um, your eastern tribes. So uh, Wendigos are more present with those tribes. And what would happen is if somebody uh, was famished or something happened and they turned to cannibalism, uh, the the legend would go that you would turn into a Wendigo, which is a deer-like creature, uh, and you would walk for all eternity starving to death so no matter how much you ate you would have this endless uh appetite this voracious appetite but no matter how much you ate it would not um Take uh, you. right you 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 wouldn't you would not put on any weight or anything like that you just become skin and bones and so um you you kind of look like a deer in the front you have the antlers uh and stuff and which stuff. was a great movie by the way we watched that at the t- last year's movie antlers, antlers. Oh, basically yeah. basically the guy becomes a wendigo great movie i recommend yeah it. i think it's on hbo <laughs> right now we enjoyed the hell out of it yeah that was a great yeah. movie and then but, you um, you mentioned the skinwalker which is uh, yes so yad, the skinwalker yad, yadaglache where where yes skinwalkers kind of uh uh, associated more of the Western tribes that did kind of infiltrate into Eastern tribes. And that is if you murder uh, 
another tribe person or murder someone in your family, you will turn into a skinwalker. Um, and that is someone who turns into uh, basically a long, uh, four-legged, long, long-legged uh, humanoid type creature. And you are bound to the earth to walk along what is kind of like Native American hell. Uh, and uh, you kind of become the outcast and you can kind of shape shift, but in like a demon type form. Uh, and so you're outcast from the group. Uh, and so if you uh, basically murder another tribe person, murder your family member, you will turn into a skinwalker. Yeah. But you, uh, you get but- to, you get to sleep nose to anus. So, <laughs> hey, it's fun. So what, what's interesting is that Stephen King has written both about a Wendigo and he wrote about skinwalkers. Yeah. Um, skinwalkers were in um, Went Through the Keyhole, which we just talked about with the Dark Tower. Yeah, story. yeah, I mm-hmm. read that one. We got skinwalkers in the the story within a story within a story. And there's, I believe, I'm not 100 uh, percent because they they kind of hint at the Outsider too. If you read the Outsider. Yeah. No, I, yeah, 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 yeah. You're they, right. They, they, I they haven't kinda, read the they, book, but they, I watched the show. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they hint. Well, I mean, the, the book was fucking fantastic. I got halfway through the show and turned it off because they, they shed all over my my favorite character that he's ever Holly. created. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Holly, and but, and, and it, it wasn't uh, the, it wasn't just the casting; it was like the characterization of Holly yeah. that that they fucked up. Yeah. I um, but there is one thing that also is in the book that they could have done more within the movie. Um, Lewis actually does see the Wendigo when he's going up to Barry Gage in the Pet Cemetery. He actually mm-hmm. sees it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a very powerful scene in the book. Because yes. he's, he's more aware. When he was with Judd, he was sort of like in this trance-like state because it was such a uh, seductive kind of place. Um, and then he actually saw the Wendigo and he didn't move. He was like, oh shit. And it, and it explains what the Wendigo looked like. And so that's something that, like, if we had that scene, I think we would have had more. You could have done that. Even in yeah. the 80s. Well, it's, it's alluded to, I think, in the remake that yeah. him and Judd, when it's they go up there, like, to, it's alluded to. But it's so. not, it, they could have done more. And I don't mean, like, some big budget, throw a bunch of money CGI bullshit. Or which is exactly we're talking what it would be. In 1989, in this movie, he still, they still could have shown something because he doesn't see it super clearly. But the presence is known and he sees the shape. And kind of puts it together in his head. We could have had that. No, there's no. And, there's nothing and in the book, they talk. In the movie, they you know they talked. He showed that they showed the deadfall of trees. But in the book, it takes on more significance because uh, in the movie you see like Fred Gwynn kind of hopping over. And he says, you know, don't think about it, don't look down or something. Yeah, but in the book, it makes it much more. It makes it much more specific that the uh, spirit, whatever it is, of the Wendigo is assisting them to climb over this deadfall because it wants them. To yes. get to the other to the other side, I think that's something again that's lost in the film version because I think that would be hard to explain in, in film. Uh, it would be where, where it's so much easier in a book to describe that. I think I think in the book it, it makes it so much clearer. What's behind everything that's happening is this spirit that wants to eat. Like, like Crystal said, it wants to eat and it's never satiated. It's, right. It, it just it's always hungry. It always wants more. Yeah. Right. And so it's constantly on the prowl. And, it, and it's helping them to their own doom. You know, it's like, yeah, come on over. It's fine. Yeah. And it's feeding it into its evil magic. And even like what you talked about power. earlier with Judd, it's using, it's even, uh, it uses Judd to initially introduce Lewis to it, but then it shuts him down at the end when he's trying to, like, make Lewis stop. It puts him to sleep. 
It makes mm-hmm. him go to sleep on his porch, which again is kind of lost in the movie. And kills book- Judd. I mean, essentially, it was it killed Judd. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't be able to stop Lewis from carrying on, you know, which is what it wanted. It wanted Lewis more. was like the ultimate of, you know, because every this was a not well kept secret, but it was a secret. Not people talked about it, but they knew it was there. Right. And they experiences with it. Everybody a little bit or knew somebody or had done it. But yeah, so that's the thing is like Lewis was the ultimate feeding of it, feeding of it. And really, you know, by the end of, you know, when he's taking Rachel up there, his hair's gone completely white. You know, like he's the ultimate slave to this this magic, this bad magic. Um, Nico, your hands up. I was gonna I was gonna say quick too about the the, the Wendigo. Um, I, I mean, there's been two iterations of this film, uh, well, the, well the, the story really between the original and the remake, and none of them have even. I mean, again, we just said it. It alludes to it in the remake, and you would you would think by now like this would have been something that would have probably made more of a presence especially since you're going to be going forward with it yeah. but i actually want to bring up too about like the not the legend of the Wendigo. i i think that that um, i don't know if you guys have played playstation at all and played the uh, game i i used to be a major playstation player. but have you guys anybody played the game until dawn mm-hmm. no i've heard no. Of it. okay well, okay so so david crystal you you beat it you got to the end i got everybody killed Okay, <laughs> so we know that the, the the big twist in the game and i'm sorry for spoiling this for whatever is that um the your your characters that that you control which was hayden panettiere and freddie mercury himself rami malik um is in the game as well and who's the other, the other one that the one that plays um uh the devil and constantine i forget his name but he's in it too oh yeah, yeah he's bad. Uh, peter is it peter peter stormeyer is that who something it is? like that yeah because he's fucking awesome too but you find out that you know there, there's a typical cabin in the woods story and like the big twist is that it's Rami Malik bringing them up there because his sisters are actually turned into Wendigos after an accident uh-huh. that of, of a prank that's actually played on them. And the whole point of the game is like, cause Dave and Crystal will tell you, like you have to try to either get them all out or try to get as many as you can out from by the end of the game. So, I mean, I I know, how, how, you got, you got, you got them all killed. You said Dave. Yeah. So Zoe, uh, my daughter uh, wanted to watch me play it. She like said, I want you to, <laughs> and she just, to this day, she makes fun of me that I got everybody killed. True story. It's decision based. So like your, your actions dictate how the story right, plays and I, out. And I'm like staring at the screen, like what? And people are dying. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, oh, you just my killed daughter the main says character. She's like, I want to watch you play this game. I'm like, don't you want you mean so, you want to play it with me? No, just so they can mock me. Just so she can mock me. That's fun. <laughs> I, I played it like three times, and every time, I, every like without fail, it's that jump scare at the end when um, you have to get Hayden Panettiere. Like, just keep the keep the controller still, don't move it, and every time it fucking gets me, and I like that, and <laughs> the fucking when, when Dingle fucking eats Hayden Panettiere in the fucking game, <laughs> every single time. So I've never gotten the happy ending in that game. That frustrates me because I'm a completionist. Yeah. Um, so last words because we got to move on to a couple of more things in this episode. Anything anybody would like to say that has not been said? Dave? One thing that occurred to me was also that Lewis, uh, they, they made a big point about how Lewis is sort, sort of pragmatic about death because he's a doctor, you know, and he's like he thinks it's a good thing that, Lewis, that uh, Judd is introducing the kids to the cemetery. This is a place of rest. And the wife, uh, Rachel, Rachel. Yes. Right. She's like flipping out because of the experience she had. 
And so Lewis being the, the logical doctor one, he's the one who falls under its spell the most because he doesn't believe in it. I think that's a Stephen King thing. Like yeah. all these haughty, educated doctors, you know, are the ones that are going to fall victim to it the most because they don't believe it. Uh, that I think that's a Stephen King thing, too. He, he likes to show up. Yeah, I, I found that interesting. And also the fact that the uh, the spirit, the Pascal in the movie, it almost becomes like a sitcom. He like gets the laughs. He's like in the in the airplane seat smiling. It's like that's a little bit like <laughs> awful. Or when he disappears from the truck and. And then he says in the truck, he says, I'm not allowed to go any further. And then like five minutes later, he comes back again. It's like, wait a second, weren't you not allowed to come any further? And he, yeah, he, he like, shut up. You know, it's sort of like pass. a Norm moment. Norm, pass out. <laughs> like, so you come back and here you are. And so, okay. I, I do find kind of like the good angel, bad angel concept interesting, which they, they talk about in the, the documentary, was it the road to Pet Cemetery, and then also the director's commentary, but the director envisions Judd as the bad angel, <clears throat> even though he's such a likable character, but he's the one who plants that idea in Lewis's head. And then uh, later on under the auspices of like, Oh, I'm kind of responsible for your son dying. And like, yeah, by the way, never bury a person there. And then he's like, <laughs> puts that idea in his head, even though he, he tells like the, the story of, about like what happened when someone did put a person there, but it's like, uh, even though it's, it seems like he's trying to, you know, it looks like he's giving them good advice, but he's really putting these bad ideas in there and kind of seducing them to, to do what's wrong. And he realizes uh, it's the place working on him. Yeah, yeah. He's being used. yeah. And then later on when he tries to fight back, he loses really badly. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just like and playing into that, you know, and I know that I keep talking about the book, but I just love the book and I'm sorry I can't help myself. But like the first lines of this book are, you know, Lewis Creed met the man who should have been his father in this day, you know, whatever. And he mm -hmm. it, was the man who he said was supposed to be his father, that sometimes men meet later in life, you mm -hmm. know, that Judd, so he treated Judd and looked to Judd as a father. You know, somebody he wanted to be his father, who he treated as his father, and they got the bond. And so it was, you know, he was easy prey. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. fish out of water coming from Chicago to live in Maine. And he meets this man that should have been his father his whole life in his mind. You know, so it was all, everything was already working on them the moment they were there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I don't know, like, uh, yeah, like, and conversely, you know, Pascal is supposed to be the good angel character, but a problem I've always had with the book and the film is that he's, like, trying to get, you know, Rachel back to stop Lewis from burying their son there. He gets her there right in time to get killed, so it's like she wouldn't have gotten killed if he didn't, you know, like, kind of, like, manipulate people to, like, you know, give her rides or get her on a, a plane, you know, and, like, yeah, that's time. more of actually in just in the movie it's not in the book uh he doesn't okay. because Some reason i thought that was yeah. ellie because she's because rachel's having these like feelings like that well i'm worried about lewis being alone our son just died we should be as a family and ellie's having these dreams like pax cow because she calls him pax cow pax mm -hmm. cow says it's too late so the only messages we're getting about pax cow and it takes rachel a little bit to figure it out Okay, so so that's more of a movie flaw then. She's she's also flaw. Rachel's also not a very bright character in either she's not. in either no. at all. She's she's fucking dumb. That's a Stephen Kingston. He for a long time he wrote women as like these drab homebody until he got to Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. 
Yeah. So, I mean, for a long time, he was writing women as these very drab home dwelling. But creatures. to be to be fair, he he more than made up for it with his greatest. And he even he admits his his favorite and his greatest literary creation of Holly Gibney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and so. he had been out of it for a while. He, he'd been more proactive because I think he realized what he was doing. Like, oh, well, women are more than that. Because if we think about, ah, God damn it, there's a moth. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's not going to make any sense to listeners. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving it in too. So, good. Okay. Might as well. God damn it, there's a moth. Okay. Anyway, it flew right into my fucking face. Anyway, so like in Kujo, she was a stay at home wife who has an affair. You know, but she's a stay at home wife. What do you expect? You know, like that, that women didn't have strong roles. Even Carrie, I think, was in his earliest works, maybe one of the more sensitive um, type of characters uh, that were female that weren't. But the, just but the mom crab. was a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I think he realized what he was doing. I don't think that he is a misogynist, but I just think, you know, he didn't realize what he was writing, what he was what he was about what he was doing i have one random because i you know because i again i'm i'm a little late to the party with reading and i've been i've been really really catching up with a lot of his books and not so much now but i but i've noticed in a lot of the um earlier books yeah that that dreaded word is in a lot he of those the fucking a lot the n-word like fucking crazy yeah. oh yeah oh, like yeah. in it especially but it plays it plays it plays into, into that one not that it's okay it played but not like, okay but no it's not okay but i mean it, it plays into the time that the you know story but things are which, written right but i mean in misery and fucking carry but I, I mean i think even in this one it's in this one at some point too it's it's in like it I read Joyland finally for the for the first time. It's in that like yeah. fucking crazy at one point, and I'm like, it's in it's in the Talisman. I just finished that. Yeah, you know about, um, it, about Speedy. In, but I, I, I was just rereading The Shining. It's in that, but like think fucking about crazy. Like what's what's the like? Am I am I missing something? Because I don't know. He's, even, he's not a racist man. No, even, at all. Even in The Shining, when he says it, it's it's Halloran talking to another black man, and that's. Well, no, I mean, even but even when like you know, what's his name? Uh, is it Turkle? I forget his name. That that's talking to Jack in the in the Shining. Even in the book, he says that. But I'm saying, why why is that word so prevalent? And and he uses it derogatorily too. And yeah. oh yeah, a lot. Well, think about but but in the character of like Henry Bowers in it, he was racist. Right. Yeah. But so I mean, it it's in Carrie. Use it. They, I'm not they, saying like it's something. Right. It should be thrown around, but it's like you're portraying racism or people um, of the same race using that term with each other like they I, would. That makes sense. But here's here's the thing. So like I um, and, and it's a very it's, it is a, a hot topic and I'm not trying to get into like this whole, you know, whatever. But I mean, I, like I don't, I don't think people should be giving Quentin so much shit because at <laughs> least at least at least I, I mean, I, I will say. When his character say it, you know, aside from like the from Django, and I know a couple times the hard R is in it. Yes. But most of his characters are of people of color that say it like how I say it, how Max says it, how Rob says it. Um, so, you know, I, I just I don't know. I just not not that if he would have used like the soft A versus the hard R for it. But I'm just I don't know. I've just always been curious if there's ever been anything like 
mentioned, even like on the end on writing or I I've seen articles written about the possibility that he was racist early in his career, but I, I don't always felt the misogyny much more. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I feel but like maybe because I'm I mean, a woman, both. I am just, not a person I, I, of color. You know, but I, but I also think a lot of it's perspective too. And you know, for instance, like when I think like the Dark Tower and uh, Detta, yeah. and kind of the way that he writes her and that di- yeah, her dialogue. And, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get there yet, so and oh. and it's so He's gonna drawing a three, right? So it's yeah, he, that's next. He he writes, you know, you have a white man writing a black woman's dialogue, you know, with that patois that that she speaks in. And I could see how how someone would look at that and be like, almost Wait a how minute. they would refer to as God, and I don't know if Ebonics. I'm to say Nietzsche is what they used to call it. Yeah, yeah, and right. it's very offensive. Yeah, and and it's just you know I could see how that that would take somebody back and, and but be it like, makes Wait sense for the character, right? Right, it does. But some pe- some sometimes people don't look at it that way. Like here's you know, a white man thing, and he can write about those. And, right. and listen, and I, and I get the whole, and this will be the last thing I say, and then we'll get into everything else. And I, I promise, I'm sorry that we went off on this tangent, but it wouldn't be us if we didn't. Right. Um, you know, I, I guess I guess to kind of quote Quentin, it's like you know, um, as the writer, I have the freedom for how I want my characters and how I want my story to progress. So if that word does come up, you know, it's a hot a hot topic. It also shows the ugliness of of back in the day that a lot of people try to forget what this country was actually built on. So I, yeah. I, in that aspect, I kind of, I kind of get it. Well, and we're really talking about what this country was built on when we're talking about the, the desecration and, and the, uh, you know, Americans, the yeah. Yeah, are fighting yeah. for their own yeah. land back. And, yeah. you know, so that's really the, 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 you know, when we first came here, we slaughtered the native Americans. Yeah. Yeah. But like, with this country, you know, people like talk about the constitution with this country's built on this country's built on fucking genocide and slavery. People and, and, we, and then we kept the ones <laughs> How far we back we want to go. The ones we didn't slaughter, we kept moving them out to the desert. No, this will be fine. You'll love it here. It's and great. then we stole people from their own countries to build this country. So mm-hmm. like, fuck off with your fucking shit. And no, I'm not afraid. If you're offended, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. go go fuck yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. De- deal That's with true. it because it was I'm probably saying this your, as you know a white I mean? as fuck woman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, anybody else last thoughts before we do our verses? Oh, super last thoughts. I just have to say, not all of Stephen King's works are anti-cat when cats are depicted. Yeah. Cat, yeah. The cat and cat's, cat's eye, eye is... Eye. If you, <laughs> if I say cat's <laughs> eye, the cat's good. Yes. And so is uh, the cat in... All of the cats in Sleepwalkers. Not that that's um, a great... And Dr. Sleep, oh, yeah. Azzy. Yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah. I love that. that. That's my favorite Stephen King book. Oh, it's so great. great yeah. book. But it's funny that he uses cats a lot in that, you know, good or bad, spiritually. And we all know that all of us as cat owners know that cats are connected at a different level to reality. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, they're they're all warm and fuzzy until, you know, when you're asleep, they're thinking, I could kill him if I wanted to. Well, (laughs) you know, you know, they think that when you're asleep. Well, I always always joke about beans taping a a knife to his paw because I always always, joke about him like, beans, you don't have any hands. And then I'm like, he takes oh, yeah? the and he just stands right. over me at night, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or when I, don't, when I don't give when I don't give Tibby the treats that she wants. She looks at me like, just go to sleep, motherfucker. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I also blame that on the way that they see us because they can see UV. They see on different <laughs> spectrums. It's, it's and if you true. if you were not aware 
we are actually striped. So in their eyes, on the spectrum that they see us, we have UV stripes. So we look like fucking zebras to them. Yeah, we're just we're just we're just too big for them to kill easily. So they're like, oh. <laughs> they gotta be sneaky, and the cats are known for that. Right. Dave, as soon as you said that, six of them together, we're fucked. As yeah. soon as you said that, Dave, all I heard was Eddie Murphy and Delirious. Like, why don't you just go to sleep? Yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Why don't you go to sleep? That's why I never. That's why I've never hit a woman because <laughs> same, oh, same. Well, that, that I, I have, wouldn't I have suggest good that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, I can't fight because women we don't kick my ass. Back. We get we get medieval on your ass. Fucking fucking Marcellus Wallace style. No shit. <laughs> I have pretty fucking. Not proud of it, but I've stabbed two people with a fork. Yeah. Hey, they probably had it coming. Well, they did. They did. Well, there you go. That's what happens when you hit so a don't, woman. Don't, they don't will feel fucking bad, stab then. your ass. Fuck that. You're standing up for yourself. Listen, I'll oh, say this, and this and is don't. it. You're you're a fucking pussy if you're a man and you hit a fucking woman, yeah. and I will fucking beat the shit out you myself. I've been, I'm, I'm in line. Like, like, like I'm in line. Like I've got like use. my medieval torture devices with me. No, yeah. I've been <laughs> hit. I've been hit by plenty of women. Not this woman. <laughs> no, well, no, not you. Not Make you. that clear. Not you. I've been. I've been. at you. I've been. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hit by women and totally did not defend myself and just stood there and took it because. I wasn't even risking the, the chance of push, for that pushing him away. Yeah, <laughs> his ex hit him in the ear like Fight Club style. I'm driving oh, down the no. driving down the interstate, and she straight up punched me in the ear. Don't you? Uh, hurt. Yeah. Yeah. She she no, got, got she got she got left at the gas station. I've got weird shaped <clears throat> ears, and if I sleep on it wrong, it hurts like somebody hit me in the ear because I have been in the ear, and it's like I will wake up and like for two hours I'm like my fucking ear because like the Do ridges stand out. Have you seen these ears? Oh, oh look at those. small, but like there's the, the <laughs> that ridge. It's right here. Yeah. Mine sticks out really far. So if I lay on the side, yeah, it, it, yeah I feel like I got punched in the ear. Speaking of violence. Speaking of violence. Um, we have decided upon um, evil Stephen King animals versus. So up for uh, battle are Church from Pat Cemetery and Cujo. Aw, buddy. Um, so Church from Pat Cemetery and Cujo from, um, you know, the titular Cujo. Yes. So discuss. Oh, really? I thought he was yeah. from uh, the regulators. <laughs> Down up. They're making I'm, a movie. I just read they're making a movie. Yeah, yeah I saw that too. I'm excited to see it. Well, I, um, I will. I'm just going to tell you, Cujo, off the yeah. rip, because let's be honest, a fucking 250 pound St. Bernard versus a little, a little asshole cat, what do you think is going to? That'd be like me fighting Miko Hughes. That's what, see, that's the verses I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Nico versus Miko. Well, we can do that Come one. On, we can man, do we Nico voted. versus Miko too. Yeah. So, well, know. I think they're both going to be unanimous. Um, I'm going to go with Cujo on this one. All right, well, if we're going Nico versus Miko, you know he can't fucking deal with Jack Johnson and fucking Tom O'Leary here. So El, El Jefe. You know, El Jefe over <laughs> here. The boss. The boss. Okay, we got two Cujos. Who would like to go? Uh, I have to give a nuanced answer. So Mine's, Mine is too, so. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of, like, strength and, like, the ability to, like, fuck someone up, of course Cujo would win. But since Church is possessed by some kind of demonic spirit, maybe he'd be crafty and lure Cujo into the path of an oncoming truck. Hard to say. But if he's <laughs> do that without being like evil, 
But Makujo's also <laughs> rabid, so he's like got just murder on the mind. So true, true. But he's single-minded, so, where church would be more creative. So yeah, I mean, there it's, there's a possibility it could go the either e- either way. But if it were just like a physical matchup, of course it would be Kujo. Okay. Um, I guess I'll throw in um, my my answer is very similar to Erica's. She kind of said what I was going to say. Um, cats are crafty, and I've seen yeah. cats win fights against dogs three times their size. Yeah. That's happen in real That's life. Um, so you know, cats are scrappy, and they can take they know how to take a fall. They they can always land on their feet, and they they can do more acrobatics than a dog. So it I really think honestly, and it's considering the both you know one's rabid. And the other one's possessed, sort of, or just demonic. You know, I think it's, it's kind of a fair fight. But mm-hmm. uh, Cujo, why is gonna Cujo's gonna get my vote? Is because I'm pulling book knowledge. This is I'm I'm basing it on book <laughs> knowledge. Okay, mm-hmm. Cujo in the book because it didn't happen in the movie, but Cujo managed to get that fucking kid killed, like because mm-hmm. he just died from like you know no water. They didn't have any water. They didn't have any food before she finally got out and had the strength to fight. Now, I would have had the strength to fight before my child died, but okay. Um, but in the movie, he doesn't die. But in the book, he does. Cujo kills a fucking kid without touching him. So, I gotta go with Cujo. Yo, ma- matter of fact, P- C- Cujo. C- Cujo said, <laughs> yo, fuck, fuck that little fuck from Who's the Boss too in the book. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He's like, fuck you, Jonathan Bauer. I, I got your ass. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and but I was like, why did they tack on that shit in the movie? But we'll talk about that when we cover the movie. Yeah. Um, I was like, really? Okay. Speaking, speaking of Pooh and Poojo, and Pooh, mostly. <laughs> oh, God. Did we have Beanie Weenies again? No, no, no. I'm no. just trying to do a segue to your sh- uh, shitty reviews. Oh, well, Dave, oh, no, they Dave and Crystal yet. still got to go. Oh, oh that's well, my bad. But I'll, I'll edit it in. Okay. Obviously, Cujo wins by sheer mass, but I, I picture uh, Church like calling other evil cats to his, you know, his side. I just picture him like whistling and like eight other evil cats. Because if let's face it, if if the devil's going to possess any animal, it's going to be the domestic cat. <laughs> no, they're, they're, no. they're not already possessed. Oh, come on, you have like no. three of them in your home. You know you fear for your life on a regular basis. You know you do. That's why you feed them. You make sure they're fed and watered, because otherwise they're going to kill your ass. Right? And Buddy's holding the nice feet right now. I've got, yeah, we've got this 25-pound tabby who like has murder in his eyes at all times. <laughs> we don't let him in the bedroom anymore. I respect him for it, though. I respect that all the time. Just, so, yes, I, I think Cujo would win base to your lens size, but I have this uh, fantasy of like church just kind of whistling over his shoulder and like, 25 other cats coming out of the woods and being like, 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 uh, like something out of like West Side Story. I was about to ask. You know, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> like the, like right. That's the only way it's acceptable. One's got like an eye patch, you know, and they all have switchblades. That's what I, you know, one's smoking just, a cigarette. Just, no, like, it'd be oh, like, they all, they all speak like the Frito Banditos. Hey, motherfucker, you know. <laughs> we don't need like no thinking budget. It'd Perhaps be like the fucking I overthink, beat it. but it'd be yeah. like the fucking no, beat it video. Same video. With the that would be okay. Like, I mean, that that could be feasible in the Stephen King universe because in Sleepwalkers, Clovis does recruit hundreds of other cats to defeat the the evil shapeshifters. So yeah, and cats are always ready to serve evil. Always, I, 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 and, <laughs> and I they're always ready cats. to get in a fucking fight for no fucking I reason. Love them. Because it's it's as close as I ever want to get to true evil is being around my cats. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I can be around evil and love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Tibby and the letterbox. Talk about evil. There's something <laughs> on it. I have like, to agree with that. We keep it in the bathroom, and sometimes you can't go in there for like half an hour. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beans. Too. Beans can do that. Like, when did I feed you a burrito? Cat. Her cats are bigger than beans. And beans, anyway. like, when you see what he leaves in the litter box, it's like a human was in there, and you got to, like, turn on the fan. Yeah, it's like, who oh broke my into my house? It's <laughs> like a dump in the cat's litter box. <laughs> tried to make it, I don't know, I'll blame it on the Yo, cat. It's like, no, it's like that scene in Scary Movie 2 where Anna Faris no, takes a crap in the, um, the litter box. Yeah, yeah. the litter box. <laughs> <laughs> my pussy's Sorry. gone crazy. We, we digress. Wow. <laughs> what, was your, what was your answer with the Cujo versus the cat? Cujo versus cats. I'm allergic to cats. You're right. We have... So I think they have a unanimous. Yes, yes, I am all for Cujo. Cujo would win. Uh, yeah, Cujo would win. Cujo um, wins, and Cujo's such a cute dog before he's rabid. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, true. I love St. Bernards. They're the biggest slobbiest. I just love them. Yeah, they like big slobbery get, dogs. In real life, they can get mean. Oh yeah. Like if you are not their person, if they are not trained to protect you, I've heard this story. You yeah, fuck off. Um, I was willing to grow myself, no, but no. I'm never uh, going to get a dog. I'm just going to continue to grow cats. Oh, grow I cats. love Grow them. You're going to grow cat. We're going to have a cat tree. I, I'm a cat mom. I grow them just like I grow my children. You no, know, you don't grow them. They're, the universe sends them to you. And yes. It knows that if you are a cat Like person, the magic of the baby, the, the stork brought them to they me. They just show up. Them. When a cat shows up, you don't question it. You take it in. No. No. It's oh, my cat now. Thanks. Mm. Thanks for the cat. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you. One more thing to take care of. Thanks. <laughs> As Nico I'm, said, I'm a nurturer. I need things to take care of. And speaking of taking care of things, I think I, we got to do the shitty reviews. Pujo. Wow. Another good segue. Pujo. So, thank you, Crystal, for the, uh, You're the theme. Um, Pet Cemetery on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the critics gave it fifty-one percent. Wow! And I was upset because there was no Roger Ebert review. Ah! Um, and the audience <laughs> gave point. it a whopping fifty-nine percent. Wow! So, yeah, pretty right balanced. Middle. Um, our first one comes from uh, Isabella. She says, so fucking dumb. Yeah. Uh, Luna Tear says, gets a one out of obligation as someone who was named after the little boy that was ran over. Yes, <laughs> my name is Gage, and I suck. Don't worry, kid, it could be worse. You could be named Miko Hughes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sketch says, good, good production values, but kind of boring. That foot scene, though. I agree. That foot scene. No, no feet. <laughs> uh, Dirty not, feet. Not a film bro says, God, I fucking hate Stephen King. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. There was some Stephen King hate. Um, Amy Gilfeather says, half a star for picking up an adult cat by the neck. Um, that's, yeah, that's fucked up. Um, the f hilariously spelled fuck you, spelled F-A-U-Q-H space white oh like like uh norwegian confused yeah yeah um yeah. They, 
she says they killed a cat twice. Unacceptable. I, I agree with that. I have to agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Deidre says half a star purely for Judd's patience with Lewis and his fucking family. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, Robbie Bissell says some of the worst acting I've ever witnessed. Please, God, let the remake be great so I can forget <laughs> about this terrible piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. I think he had his hopes I, th- too I think high. I think I think he must have reached God on the on the rest day on the seventh. So yeah, well, there, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's there's a couple reviews that that came prior to the remake. Um, here's another one. What a dumpster fire this is. I haven't been this bored and annoyed by a movie in a while. I can't wait for the remake so I can forget that I wasted almost two hours of my life that could have been better spent slamming my head in a door. And then they watch the remake and they're like, now I need to move on to a brick wall. Yeah. Right, then you want like the follow up. Uh, right? I mean, they're, just... they're not, they're, I mean, they're, they're not half wrong on that one. No. Just saying. Uh, Conway toy dog says, I <laughs> wish every character was hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Not Judd. Um, Jamie, this is kind of long. Jamie says, um, if anyone ever wants to learn how not to act, watch this film. Probably the worst acting I've seen in a long time. So boring. Like, what the hell? I wanted to turn it off after 20 minutes. I'm surprised I made it through. Stephen King is such a fuckhead. <laughs> wow. No, oh no, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stephen wow. King is such a fuckhead. Get out of this film. Your cameo just made it worse. Literally oh. nothing I liked about it. Actually, that's a lie. The only good thing to come out of this film is the Ramones song, Pet Cemetery," written specifically <laughs> for the film. Even though I don't think any other Ramones fans likes that song. Whatever, this <laughs> film sucks. I'm a huge Ramones <laughs> fan, and I do like that song because it's a Ramones song, and so I like it yeah. by default. Uh, Lemmy says, my homie Stephen King knows how to write a crafty novel with excellent concepts, but my homie Stephen King does not know how to write a good screenplay. I can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with that. And last but not least, Farrah R. says, I decided to rewatch Pet Cemetery after watching the 2019 remake, and it's just as bad as I remember it. Glad they remade it into a more watchable film. What the okay, fuck? Okay, so what movie was she really watching, though? <laughs> yeah, what's what? She must have got confused with Pet Cemetery too, or it Chapter yeah, One. She must have, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. There was a disconnect. Like, yeah. oh, that must have been the remake. No, it was just because so, if you think it was better, then it wasn't the remake. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> King is such a fuckhead. <laughs> they misspelled cokehead again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh I guess that's me. Um I'm such a generous raider and I've been thinking throughout the episode, like, okay, what do I really want to do here? Same and way. so my score did change. <laughs> I'm going to give this 7.5 out of 10. It was 8.5. I give it 7.5 and like 5.5 of that is Fred Gwynn. Actually, (laughs) 6.5 of that is Fred Gwynn. He he is Judd. He carries that entire movie on his back. Man (laughs) already had back problems and they just gave him more. (laughs) The only thing that really keeps me into the film is Judd because it's so well done. It's he's a consummate professional. Um, actor in every role that he plays even in like something like my cousin benny playing the judge like 
he fucking steals. I love that fucking movie. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt, but like, I, he that's like the fucking. He's so great in that. That's so good. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Like, but Perfect. he's fucking Fred Gwynn. Even like Car 54, where are you? Like fucking, it's no. Fred fucking Gwynn. <laughs> so he gets almost all the points. So we saved one point for you tried Gold Star. It's misspelled. <laughs> you tried, and it's still better than the remake. So that makes you wonder, what would I say about the remake? Well, I think I've said enough because my blood pressure. Not, I don't want. We don't plan on doing there. the remake, do we? Oh, uh, fuck no. Absolutely not. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to torture anymore on this show. And that would be torture to me. Thank you. Um, but no, but Fred Gwynn, so mine was 7.5 out of 10 Fred Gwynn's. Um, Yeah, he's just everything in this movie. And, and I just, having read the book previous to seeing the movie, he was Judd. So that's really my biggest praise about the movie is just Fred Gwynn. That's all I've got to say. Masterful performance. And if the movie hadn't sucked so bad, the man should have gotten an Academy Award. I mean, the movie sucked too bad. So they were like, yeah, we can't we can't do anything about this. But like he deserved all the awards. He was great. And um, so, yeah, my whole review is all the points for Fred Gwynn and Gold Star. You tried too bad. <laughs> womp, womp, womp um, on this movie. So, yeah, all the points are not for the movie. They're for Fred Gwynn. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go real quick. Um, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 uh, Achilles heels. Mm. Uh, it's the thing with, with Stephen King adaptations is you either love them or you fucking hate them. And he's had some really good ones. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, probably Fantastic. one of my favorite. At um, Pupil. At Pupil. He's, and he's had some fucking stinkers. Um, Maximum Overdrive. The Langoliers. Um, I mean, just they're, they're, with, they're with fucking Balky. Balky. <laughs> Balky's in there. Balky. I do like Bronx and King Show. So I do too, yeah. but like that movie was ass. But it was not good. Yeah. I am, I am with Candy on this. Fred Gwynn is the MVP, um, right alongside all the cats they used because they used multiple uh, mm-hmm. cats. They had a snarler, they had a cuddler, they had a growler. Um, um, we have both. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's even the practical effects in this, I thought were pretty decent uh, for the time. And it just, the, the acting was just not there. Um, like Nico said, soap opera level. And it, the movie kind of drug out a little bit. Um, the Zelda character and the Achilles heel and Fred Gwynn are probably the only three things from this film. Now, Gage, Gage is creepy. With a with a scalpel, um, hi, daddy. You know, like I brought you something, mommy. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's creepy, but you know, it, it, the film as a whole, like it, it just not not all that for me. So um, I'm being generous with a seven out of ten Achilles heels. Love generosity so far. Who would like to go next? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I was gonna I'm gonna go last. I'll, I'll go last. <laughs> all right. Okay. I, I, it to be like the because, lowest be, because 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 whatever average this is going to be i'm about to he's going to drop, drop it, it so go, go ahead yeah, yes. um i'll go unless someone else wants to yeah you go ahead okay um yes yeah, so i was kind of afraid based on the um our previous chat in our group text um that i was gonna have the highest score out of the group that's not true i'm giving it seven out of ten so um i also agree that uh fred Gwynn, like absolutely gave the best performance of you know all of the actors in this and and also props to the multiple 
cats who play church, but I'm always biased in favor of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I do think there were some other positive things about it. Like I thought there were some moments of like, I don't know, uh, great set pieces, uh, great outdoor locations, really good atmosphere that was creepy uh, at times. So, I mean, I, uh, I, I would also give points for those things. But I, I think we've kind of discussed some of the negatives, that some of the performances are very uneven. There are pacing problems. There's some things were lost in translation from the book to the screenplay and then onto the screen. So, um, but I mean, I, I personally don't think this is a terrible film by any means. Like it's it's one that I revisit every now and then, just, just if I'm in a Stephen King kind of mood and, uh, I, I really, I don't, I don't think it's a bad film. No. Um, I'll go. I, I, I was going to give it, well, I mean, I would give it a seven, but uh, just like Candy, it gets an extra point just for Fred Gwynn. So I mean, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. I agree that the, uh, the acting for the most part is, is not great, but it's consistently not great. So I have to think it was kind of on purpose. You know, I think they were going for sort of a campy, uh, over-the-top kind of thing. Uh, even Fred Gwynn's acting, as much as I love him, he even his acting was a little bit, you know, over-the-top. Um, and I love, like we were saying, I love the fact that they had to use eight or nine different cats. Like, you can get one dog to do everything, but with cats, they had, like, one cat who could jump, one cat who could purr. You know, it's like, because yeah. you can't get cats to do it all. They're like, no, I do the one thing, and that's it, you know? <laughs> Where's my treats? And even so, then, yeah, it takes a lot of coaxing. I can imagine the cat wrangler with his, like these nine. It's like a road cat, with, like a yeah. chair, a chair and a whip. Pass it through there. I, I, I like this movie. We watched it again. We watched it last night to get ready for the podcast, and I hadn't seen it in years. I liked it a lot more than I remembered me liking it back when. So I got to give it credit. It was entertaining. I've never seen Pet Cemetery Pet Cemetery Two. And I've seen the remake, but we only watched it once, and it immediately left my mind. I think ten minutes Good. after we watched it, I'd forgotten about it, so can't really speak <laughs> to that. Any movie with an evil cat, I'm in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give me an evil cat that kills people or lures them to their death, and I'm in. Well, you have to watch. I've that, watched that shitty movie on Shutter, Uninvited. Uninvited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I watched the Rift Tracks. Did it? If it helps you, Dave. Um, Rift Tracks did it. It's um. Was our, our buddy who did what's his name? Um, George Kennedy. No, hold on, he's in it. But no, I'm thinking of the guy who did. Um, his name starts with a G. He did uh, Final Justice. He was a producer. Uh, oh, um, uh, great on great on Clark. Clark. Yeah, great on he Clark. Did from, uh, Angel's Revenge. Angel's Revenge. Yeah, yeah, Angel's Revenge. Like great on Clark. He did the Uninvited. With, Anything with George cat. Kennedy. We watched, uh, what was that one he did, the haunted Nazi ship one we watched a few weeks ago, uh, Death Ship or something, with, yeah. George, with George Kennedy, because I am an, uh, an airline mechanic, and George Kennedy, as we know, is the patron saint of airline. He was Joe Petroni, yeah. the patron saint of airline mechanics. He's, what did he say? With 707, take the wings off of it, you can use it as a tank. Yeah. He was, he's the patron saint of airline I'm mechanics. I'm sorry. When I think George Kennedy, I think in what naked was that? Gun. Naked Gun with the the, gun. The, 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 the the weed whacker and that had the I'm dildo on the end of it. Says, when I think of George Kennedy, I think of Cool Hand Luke. To eat yeah, the eggs. Wow. No, no, well, you know I'm a classic movie. Shaking the bush, shaking the bush, boss. Creep show yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, creep anyway, show too. I love. That's why I love mm, uh, that Chief story. Wood. 
I defended on our Halloween episode two years oh, ago. Oh, I didn't say, I didn't give a thing. I was going to say eight out of ten uh, pussy, drippy eye sockets. And yeah. we don't document And then my RN girlfriend corrected me saying it's purulent, not pussy. Yeah, because we can't document things are pussy. But I wasn't sure whether to use one S or two in pussy. <laughs> but you can't document pussy. So apparently either way is wrong, so. Purulent. <laughs> the more you know. My turn. Um, I'm going to give this eight out of ten itchiest pajama scrubs on earth. Um, <laughs> for me, you know, last night I think it was the first time I'd seen this movie all the way through. Uh, and it, it was, you know, out of Stephen King movies that I've seen, it was a pretty good movie. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it, it hits home when you have kids, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as being one of the scariest things that you you can think of uh, as far as uh anything that could happen, especially when they're small, um, is one of the things that a parent doesn't want to go through. A parent never wants to bury their child or uh, go through any of any of that. And then uh, me and my field of work, um, you know, I've been on those calls and been in the ER when uh, we've had those situations where kids have come in and, and unfortunately they have not uh, survived. So um, I've, I had to kind of like step back from this movie and um, kind of uh, dissociate as I watched it some, uh, especially with uh, the sneaker kind of going across the road uh, a little bit for me because uh, that's a very powerful, uh, that's some powerful imagery there. Um, but uh, the acting uh, you know, I have to agree with everybody. Fred Gwynn stole the show. Other than that, uh, everybody else was very campy. Uh, I do want to point out that the gentleman that played Lewis, uh, his previous role, he was Elvis in a TV movie. Elvis and me. Yes, that was something. Uh, mm-hmm. He was Elvis. Um, uh, and the director, Mary Lambert, we didn't point this out earlier, but she was also responsible for directing um, Control and Nasty by... Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. She directed both of those music videos as well. Um, but um, for me, this this movie was uh, a movie. It was. It was a movie. Uh, um, and I um, totally could not handle the accent. Uh, I mean, it was just... I guess it's the same way you guys are with squirm. Like that accent <laughs> was killing me. Um, and then uh, Gage toward the end uh, with the doll. It looked like they were using a little person at one point, a doll. And then like, I, I couldn't tell if it was paper mache. I don't know. But Lewis with the needles, I really felt sad for the cat getting stuck (laughs) and then I couldn't quite tell if they really like pinched or poked gauge toward the end with something I hope it was was real (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I couldn't quite tell what they did make him have that response Uh, but but still him having just it, what it looks like Lewis has in those syringes, what it looks like is what we kind of refer to as milk of amnesia. Uh, it's <laughs> propofol, and that's that's what uh, 
Michael Jackson succumbed to, but it looks they have like to give me that to get a, a, a an uh what is that an MRI? MRI, yeah, it's common. It's common. It's common for lots of procedures and, and it's an anesthetic. So it's what it looks like. I don't know if that's what it was or if that's what it's implied to be, but that's kind of what it, it looks like. That's what I would suppose it to be. Um, but um, it just it, it, I I picked up on Lewis having some OCD tendencies too throughout this movie. I know we didn't kind of touch on that, but him uh, with the dirty feet and then walking into the house and and the foils and the the grossness and then Gage laughing, talking about, I played a trick, I scared you, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a movie. (laughs) It was a movie. You know, I enjoyed what I saw that I, you know, I could kind of dissociate from. Um, so eight out of 10 itchiest pajama scrubs on earth. All right. going to be two and a half. Fuck you. Miko Hughes out of 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's is... never going to be a guest on the show, I guess. Well, fuck him. If he is, then him and I are going to have oh, it out. Right? Don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, that to happen. Fight. Celebrity uh... death match. Fight. <laughs> Where do I start with this? I mean, I've pretty much covered it all. This is not my favorite Stephen King anything at all. Um, this To me, this was a huge misfire from, from Jump Street. Should have stayed unpublished as far as I'm concerned, but whatever. He had contractual oh, no. obligations. I get it. I get it. Um, I mean, maybe this was one he could have maybe revisited and maybe tweaked it a little bit. Maybe that, that could have been... Could have could definitely been... Something he could have worked on a little. Oh, he definitely was tweaking. Um, there's there's not one likable character in this fucking movie at all, even even Judd. Um, the only reason why it gets two and a half is really because of Fred Gwynn and the cat. That's it. <laughs> there's there's literally nobody redeemable in this fuck. The acting is fucking horrible. Like this is like beyond fucking. This is like after school special acting. <laughs> it, you, you, they, they should have got somebody more experienced to film this fucking thing as a, as a director you don't need to get a fucking music video director this this should have been Romero all the way it would have been a better or movie or even Tom or even Tom Savini this this would have been a lot better of a film I, I feel, well, at least maybe I mean who the fuck knows because who, who knows who they would have cast yeah George Romero passed this up to do monkey shines yeah, Which, I, I, I would like to see the movie Romero would have made out of this. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, and I kind of feel like that's why he jumped all over Dark Half at least was to kind of be able to do something with with Steven again before you know they they were going on to do like whatever they were going to be doing at that time. But um, yeah, I don't have too much to say really about this. Fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck the book. <laughs> fuck the remake. That sums it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you except for fuck the book. And the the, the sequel, Pet Cemetery Two, is like the only shining light in this whole fucking little quote unquote yeah. franchise. I'm gonna have to because watch it's, that because it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's Brown's got. It. Yeah, I mean, again, the acting is still over the top, but you know what? Like Clancy Brown knew the assignment. Edward <laughs> Furlong, what a piece of shit he is. He knew the assignment. <laughs> Goose, Anthony Edwards knew the assignment. Yeah. They all knew what they were getting into, and like it kind of shows. So, you know, yeah. with, with this, I don't think any of them fucking knew except for Fred Gwynn what like what the assignment was. 
even Stephen King kind of shits the bed in his own little cameo, and that's kind of hard to do. Because <laughs> I mean, he, he, played, he, he, he played he played Jordy Verrill, so yeah. you know what I mean. That that says it all, right Weird there. Like, shit. Yeah, Weird exactly. Shit. <laughs> like I actually showed that like creep show to this girl that I'm dating, mm-hmm. and she was like all about that, that that whole story until the ending, and she was like, "Oh, that's actually really sad." I'm it like, is sad. You got it. it. Like yeah, you understood, right. but. I had to tell her, I'm like, do you know what's fucking weird? And she's like, what? I'm like, that's what my fucking niece's fucking dad looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like Jordy Verrill. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thankfully, she looks like us. Instead <laughs> of him. But, um, my kids got all of my genes. Yes, they did. I don't know if that's a good thing. But no, I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm just saying, oh, my God. I hate this fucking movie. So two and a half out of ten. Fuck you, Miko Hughes. If I ever see you, I'm beating the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well okay tell us how you really feel yeah the hot takes. I, i'm still feeling murky i don't know no okay um <laughs> hazy ask again later um, thank you guys so much for being here tonight um i'm glad that you accepted me in this form um i wasn't sure that it was gonna be make it tonight but i did and did it without notes so i managed to be somewhat coherent about it I'm proud of that fact, but no, it, it was, it's good to see friendly faces and being back in the groove. So, you know, thanks for being here guys. Definitely. Thank you. And, by, and one more, uh, fuck you, Miko Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you guys. 